0: Welcome back to another episode of That's Business. Today's guest, Alex, is a dynamic video creator and one of the pioneers of edutainment content, which combines education with entertainment. As the founder of Impact's Marketing, a video content training company, he's helped hundreds of companies build their online brands and attract their dream clients through engaging video content. Alex is also a proud father of two daughters and calls the Chicago suburbs his home. Alex, thank you so much for being on this podcast. I actually found you from your videos on LinkedIn, so you might know a thing or two about what you're doing, I guess.
1: Imagine that, right? (laughs) Imagine that. No, I'm happy to be here, Angela. Excited for the conversation.
0: Now, before we dive into, of course, the many oodles of information you'll give us on the importance of video, take us back. What was your childhood like? What was growing up? Talk us through that and how you got to where you are.
1: I would say the most important thing to know about my background uh, and maybe it's relatable to other people in similar positions is that I wasn't a good student. You know, like I didn't really fit in. Like I was like a kind of a quirky kid, uh, always had some level of creativity. I'd be in math class and like writing raps, you know, and, like <laughs> as a 14 year old and the math teacher is like, what's well, Z plus seven and five and, and I'm like, I don't know, but lion rhymes with trying and rhymes with, you know, Like, like I was just like, Like that was me as a kid. And like, I really struggled, you know, when you're young, you just know that like you don't fit in and like the school stuff didn't come to me. I didn't do well sitting in one place for a long period of time. I still don't, to be honest. Like I'm, I'm almost weary of going to movie theaters for that reason. I'm like, (laughs) I got to be in one place for like two and a half hours. Like, I don't know. So, you know, I think for me, like the thing was, I just felt really out of place. I, I didn't feel like I necessarily fit into the system And I ended up going to college. I was a super senior in high school. I got a terrible grad. went to three different high schools, but I eventually got through it. And then I eventually got serious with my life because I was just like in and out of trouble and stuff. I was just like a kind of a a bad kid. And um, once I cleaned my stuff up, I went to college, got my degree, got into corporate. And I kind of was like, hey, I think I found my thing, sales, communication, business. And then I still felt a little like this is not quite me. And There's something more. I'm supposed to be doing something more on this earth. You know, there's more I have to give and there's more talent and creativity for me to unleash. And that kind of led me to jumping on board and starting my own business and giving that a try as a side hustle until I eventually built it out to a full time business.
0: I love that you said bad kid and it's hard to sit still, of course. And as I get older, I can't. I have a stand up desk right here. I need a break. I mean, I don't know how we ever worked corporate. I'm like, I could never go back now sitting there or getting up at 6am. I'm not a morning person, but what made you kind of decide to go to college and did you end up in a sales and marketing degree or what did you end up with your degree wise?
1: Well, I went to college, you know, because I thought that that was what you had to do to be successful. And especially this was what 15 years ago or so now, roughly like And so for me, it was like, that was the path, right? Like my dad was like, hey, get out of the house. You're either going to go to college or you're going to get a full-time job and you're going to provide for yourself. And looking back on that, I'm glad that I got that advice and that push because it was good for me. Like I needed to like grow up at 18, 19 and have that realization. So, you know, I thought either I'm going to go full-time into some other job, which at the time, like there just didn't seem like a lot available without a college degree that I could pursue that would be... You know, a long career making money, work my way up. And I kind of had a feeling that communication and business was going to be something I was going to do. So I figured I got to go to college. I got to get a four year degree. And so I went to Eastern Illinois. I went to community college first because I was so bad in high school. I got to community college. They were like, you don't know three plus three, dude. Like, (laughs) like, you need to, like, you need that. Your spelling is like a third grader spelling level. Like, you need to go back and do some basic classes. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but. It was kind of bad, honestly, because they were like, dude, you just, you don't have any like basic knowledge of like, and I'm like, I know, like I failed out. I was a super senior. I went to three different high schools. Like, yeah, I don't have much of an education. So I went back and did that. And then I went to Eastern Illinois where I got my bachelor's degree in corporate communications. And similar to a lot of people's stories. I feel like I got into my real life experience and I learned more there in six months than I did in four years at the university going for what I went for. So that was the process.
0: (laughs) Well, and it's so interesting. I am also a fellow non-school person and I hated math. Math science does not make sense to me, but my ADHD, you tell me to write an essay night before I got you, the procrastination hits in and it's great, but Uh we are definitely close in age because that is our generation of, oh, you need to go to school. You need to do this. And it's the checkbox, but it's like, why? hundred percent agree. It was my B2B sales internship calling people nonstop lots of tears were shed at 19 years old but it really prepared me more than the four-year degree did so I love that you said that now what I love about you and I can't wait to really dive into this where did you get this idea to do marketing and I want you to walk us through when you finally made the leap because it was right before the pandemic if I'm stood corrected that you took your business full-time
1: no, it was after the pandemic, but not not too far after.
0: So where did you come up with that?
1: So originally, so I was in sales for 10 years, <laughs> right? So I got out of college. I, did, I had a couple of jobs and I landed in corporate uh, recruiting and staffing staff and recruiting. And I was there for six years. Really good company. I hit a couple of contests, had some good success. I could have stayed there and built my entire career for the rest of my life there, probably, right? Or in that industry, at least. And, you know, around 2019, I was like, you know... I just feel like, again, there's something more like I, I, I don't really feel like I fit into the corporate kind of box, you know, not that there's anything wrong with corporate, but you know, it's like very by the book and you got to do it this way and this way and this way. And I just feel like I wanted to try so many different things and I wanted to come up with stuff. And I was like writing, I wrote a book about sales, like while I was in corporate, like it was just like, I would do Bad training ass. manuals. Yeah. yeah. And I never published it or anything, but like, I remember I would train other sales reps on how to, you know, overcome objections or, you know, make a cold call. Right. And so like there was always very entrepreneurial tendencies, even as I was in corporate, that were like, yeah, this guy's probably gonna like go out of his own at some point, right? And then eventually in 2019, I got the courage to say, I just gotta go for it. I gotta take a leap. And, you know, I got this full-time job here. So it's not like I need income from my side hustle to necessarily live off of, right? So I started taking the leap. I started calling on companies and trying to meet with companies and try to sell them sales coaching and training. It did not work as easily as I thought it was going to. It was (laughs) tough. And uh, so I said, you know, maybe I should try the social media approach because I feel like more people are getting on LinkedIn and social media and videos becoming more popular. And we were kind of at the cusp of it. Right. It's not like it is now where it's like, well, duh, it's a no brainer now. It wasn't that back in 2018, 2019. So I started putting out content on uh, LinkedIn I was kind of LinkedIn and Instagram and I had to choose one just from a time standpoint. So I chose LinkedIn, thank God. And because um, <laughs> uh, I like LinkedIn went like this and Instagram just kind of, you know, yep. but mm-hmm. anyways, so I chose LinkedIn. I started putting out content and what was really interesting because I was such a sales hunter. I would cold call, I would knock on doors, I would meet with prospects, try to get them to meet with me. And then I started posting content about sales and leadership and social selling and LinkedIn even. And I started to notice customers were coming to me. And that was like the light bulb moment of like, ding, wait a second, maybe I don't have to be the hunter for the next 20 years. Maybe I could be the hunted. And that really changed my mind about video content and content in general was that you can kind of create this demand for your products and services. Uh, Not that you'll never have to do outreach. You may still do some outreach. That's fine. But the fact that you could generate business from just talking about things that you're passionate about and things that could provide value to other people and then have customers come to you, it was really intriguing to me.
0: And you did a post, I believe I had seen before, where you said my first video I ever did got no (laughs) engagement. And I think a lot of people, and especially now, like you said, videos just blown up. It's everywhere we see. I don't want to say what was the timeline or what made you keep going? Because a lot of people would have said, screw this, I'm out. Like, this is too difficult. So what made you kind of, okay, let's try, let's keep doing this?
1: You know, I think having been in sales and having struggled When I got my territory at my corporate job, I was there for six years, but my first year and a half, two years, even two and a half years were challenging. I was doing a lot of cold calling and emailing and knocking on doors and I didn't see results right away. So it was almost, even though I was like, damn it, it sucks. In a good way, there was a positive that came from it, which taught me that because over time I did start to see results and then it really took off. So in my mind, I was like, hey, don't focus on the end result always. It's good to have that in mind, right? It's good to be goal-oriented and results-driven for sure, performance-driven for sure. But you can't always focus on the result, whether it's content or sales or whatever it is. You have to focus on who you are becoming and what skills you're building and how are you honing in on your craft. And so my philosophy, Angela, was never like, I'm going to create 20 videos and I'm going to win 20 clients. That's how this is going to go down because it didn't go down like that. I wasn't even close. My philosophy was, I'm going to create 20 videos and every video that I create, I'm going to get a little bit better with each one. I'm going to learn how to craft a better hook, a better message. I'm going to learn how to add in edutainment, make it a little bit more entertaining as I'm educating and I'm going to do 20 more videos and then I'm going to do 20 more videos and I'm going to get so undeniably good at my craft that people are going to come to me and want to pay me money to show me how to do that same thing. And if you take that approach, whether it's creating content, sales, accounting, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. If you focus on getting so obsessively good at the craft or the skill that you're trying to build, the money and everything else will follow.
0: Well, and you have to walk before you run. I mean, right. no, one, no professional athlete or actress or whoever you want to name was just phenomenal at what they did. And I think a lot of people just really forget that where, yes, you see everyone else's successes and all, but what's your niche? Because- I forgot which video it was that I found you on, but you are so fucking hilarious. And <laughs> I think it was something about making fun of LinkedIn bros or something like that, that <laughs> you did. And all of you need to go follow Alex on LinkedIn because it is so true and so accurate and so funny. But during this time, um, kind of figuring out what your videos were going to be, how you wanted to produce them and all. And of course got better with your craft. I mean, if you look at a resume I did in 2016. It does not look anything like it does now in 2023. And I think this is something to explain to people that maybe don't come from a sales background because I understand it. I'm like, yeah, you're just driven. And you're just like, I could do better and let me do better. And it's very KPI metric driven, but even in yourself being an entrepreneur. So for those that maybe don't have that, what are some maybe, I don't want to say recommendations, but maybe recommendations or what keeps you going on maybe some of those days of like, is this really what I should be doing?
1: Well, for me, I think it comes down to your purpose and vision, right? So it's like you have to have a strong desire and kind of they call it the why or whatever you want to call it. But I think if you're, you know, a lot of people get into stuff because it's like, oh, I can make a quick buck with this. Or I heard you can make money in this. I'll try this. Or they're in it for the wrong reasons. Like they just want to get rich quick or they want the, you know, a lot of people nowadays want to be an entrepreneur, but they want to look the part. They don't want to act the part right? They want to post the Instagram shots or the videos of them doing cool stuff, making it look like they're building something. But you know, it's eight at nine o'clock at night and you need to put a couple more hours of work in and they don't want to do that. They want to be at the party looking cool, looking the part, right? So it's like, for me, it's got to align with what you want to do and you've got to have a strong vision and purpose behind it. Otherwise, yeah, it's going to get tough and you're probably going to quit if you're in it for surface level reasons. So for me, it was like, again, I focused on, I had a good purpose on What I wanted to build from this and where I wanted to go, I understood that. And I understood what I wanted to build for my family and for everyone that I was going to be around and the impact that I want to make on others. And then it was like, just like anything else, whether it's sales or learning how to swim or ride a bike or play basketball or, you know, do chess, play pool, whatever it is, there's a learning curve. And like, you can't expect to go into it being amazing at it. You have to expect to go into it. Like I'm going to get punched in the face and I'm going to get knocked down and I'm going (laughs) to suck. Yeah. And I'm going to suck. And the only way to get better is to get back out there and not only keep practicing and keep putting in the reps, but trying to get better with every single repetition. And that's just always been my mindset. So whether I evaluate now, I'm going to do something new. I evaluate why am I doing it? Am I in it for the right reasons? Am I really driven because that's what I want to do. It's going to help create a better lifestyle for me or better relationships for me, more fulfillment for me. If yeah, cool. And then I go into it the same mindset. All right, here we go. It's going to be a challenge and you got to stick with it.
0: And of course, working full-time, because like you said, you could have stayed, had a beautiful, I don't want to say easy career, but you could have totally kept kicking ass where you were before. But I want to talk through, because this is something I get asked a lot, where people have this idea to maybe start their own business, but it's exhausting. And you are a great proponent of this. I mean, having two daughters and working a full-time job and then building this up to eventually take this full-time. But during that, build, I, I like to call it the building phase. What kept you going? And I know you said like your life's purpose and all, but how many hours a day were you putting in? Or let's say weekly, of course, we're all human, but how much extra work you had to do to make this what it is today? <laughs> I mean, I'll sigh. put you like this. I went,
1: you know, first of all, let me say this. like, Whenever you dive into things like this, you're going to really start to understand if this is for you or if it's not for you. So if anyone's listening right now, like, I think I want to do it. I'm just not sure if I'd be good. I'm not sure if I want to make it. Like, just try it right? Like give it a shot. And I think you'll realize some things about you and your personality and what's important to you and your values and that kind of stuff, because you may dive into something and realize, man, I just, this really is not for me. Like I can just, this is not going to make me happy. I'm not going to enjoy this. I thought it was one thing. It was a completely different thing for me personally. And I think that there is a little bit of a trend with this that I see in entrepreneurs specifically is that you have a little bit of that obsessiveness to you You have a little bit of that extreme to you where I think some people are like, you know, they get to their job and then they kind of compartmentalize or that, you know, they're able to like just stop and move on to something else where I think most entrepreneurs that I've ran into have a little bit of that or maybe a lot of that obsessive gene where it's just like they're just in go mode all the time. And so for me, it was like recognizing that that was me as a person, like having a little bit of an addictive personality an obsessive personality that. If I dive into something, it's just got to be the right thing. It's got to be positive, of course, because if it's negative, I can go that way with it, right? But I wanted to make sure that if I dive into something, like I'm all into it. And so for me, it was like, and I forgot where I was going with this before this, but it was a no-brainer for me because once I got into it, I was like, this fits the lifestyle that I live anyways. Even when I was in corporate, I was getting to the office super early. I was working long nights. I was willing to make the sacrifices. I was obsessed with learning. I was cool with taking risks. I didn't care about failing like to a certain extent, right? Like I would put myself out there and not be afraid to get knocked down. So for me, it aligned with me as a person. And I think that's what you have to uncover first. I think there was a second part of this question, but that's the first. I think that's really important to understand that first that be honest with yourself. Right. When you go through this process, whatever you're doing, new career, entrepreneurship, whatever it is, reflect. And if it's really not for you and you're discovering that, then you know, it may be time to, to look a different direction. Right.
0: It's interesting, too, because I always said, oh, I didn't want to be an ex-career to work. I didn't want to work nights, weekends, holidays. So instead, <laughs> we own our own business and and work nights, weekends, holidays as needed, of course. Yeah. And I think it's so different, of course, being on the other side, because my biggest fear was, oh, if I get fired or what if this doesn't work? Well, we've had plenty of ideas that didn't work out or I did get fired, which is what pushed me to start this. So I think it's when, what's the term? I'm forgetting it, but it's like you kind of operate not out of scarcity anymore because that it was like being your own worst enemy. It's like, okay, but like
1: risk adverse. Yeah.
0: Risk adverse. Exactly.
1: Well, that was the second part, right? Where it's like, how much were you working and yes. what were you sacrificing? And I mean, I went six months in a row where I had one day off, a full day off. Right. And I'm talking like, if I'm with my kids, I'm with of my course. kids. Right. But I'm doing my thing, right? But then when they go to bed, I'm back to work, Mm -hmm. right? There was never a day or I'm in the morning with coffee while they're like getting ready and stuff. Like every day I was doing something in my side business because basically I had my full-time job and then I would clock out at five o'clock or whatever it might be. And I would get to work as soon as I possibly could and work as long as I could into the night. And I'd work every single weekend. So again, it goes back to like, but that worked for me. And I'm still like that. Like, even though the business is in a good spot now, I still love what I do. And if I wake up on a Saturday, like I want to drink some coffee and do a little bit of work and then I'll start my day. I'll go out for a walk. I'll do my thing, right? I'll have some fun and i will just work all day, every day. <laughs> right. right? But to me, it's like, it is a big part of who I am, like my work ethic and my dreams and what I want to accomplish. So yeah, it, again, it just all comes down to being honest with yourself. Don't think that you, after hearing that, you're like, I got to go six <laughs> months in a row with only taking one day off. It's not about that. Like that was just, that was my thing. and I also wanted to expedite the results. I wanted to, you know, take the time that it was going to take. Maybe it would have took me a year and a half, two years to leave my full time job. It took me six months from customer That's one awesome. to leaving my full time job. It took me six months, but because I was willing to, you know, invest so much time, energy, and effort into it in a short period of time.
0: Right. Something interesting that you said: of it's not all day, every day. I worked six months straight with only one day off. It's little things. I mean, I get less anxiety if I check my email Sunday night, so I know what's coming in on Monday or. If I can answer something quick in the morning with my coffee, I'm very much the same way. So even if it's just two hours a day, I'm a huge Malcolm Gladwell fan, the book outliers of the 10,000 hour rule. So it's like, okay, those hours do add up in that time. If it's just like an hour here or quick idea session here, I love my handy dandy notebook that I carry with me everywhere with ideas, or I slack myself my own ideas, but little things like that just really add up over time. And I think any entrepreneur just kind of feels that when you are passionate about what you do. Now, talking more specifically on video, what are some of the biggest mistakes you're seeing either your clients doing or people doing as a whole when it comes to video or their mindset behind video?
1: The biggest mistake that people make with video content is probably the number one thing is they just don't get started. Right, So like they don't, they don't, you know, they're in their own head. They're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to look stupid. I'm going to sound stupid. What if I put it out there and it fails and no one likes it? And you know, all that stuff's going to happen. You're going to put it out there and it's not going to go viral right away. I hate to burst the bubble, but (laughs) let's say someone starts putting out video content. I mean, I'd say there's two core things. There's one, like a lot of companies don't fully take into consideration or don't know their customer enough and don't obsessively think about their customer or audience that they want to impact. Right? So when I'm creating content, it's funny. I jump in these meetings when I first start working with a company And, and typically I'm working with companies that are doing five to 50 million. Typically that's like the sweet spot. So they're, they're more established. They've got a team and that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's interesting because a lot of them want to go towards, all right, well, how do I get something from the audience or how do we tie it back to this? Or how can I talk about my products and services? And I have to like quickly shift them and go, Hey guys, no, 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 this is not about you. Like your content is not about your products and services. It's about the impact that you want to make on your audience and your customers, and yes, we're going to be strategic with it. Yes, we're going to bring to their attention and awareness a problem that you solve for. Yes, we're going to help them solve that problem through education and entertainment and storytelling. All that's going to happen and it's going to tie back into your business and you're going to win clients and you're going to build brand. But it doesn't start by thinking about me, 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 me. It starts by thinking about them. And that's one thing I've always done. That's why I moved into edutainment. I was like, how can I better serve my customers? Well, if I could get them to smile and laugh as I'm educating them, home run, that's a no brainer, right? If I could create better content in more depth, or if I could create better short form or long form, or if I could start a YouTube channel or a podcast, man, that would really serve my audience better. I never think about my own business or getting leads when I'm creating content. I only think about, hmm, how can I penetrate through the minds of the person watching this video? How can I get them to go, whoa, I needed to hear that today. That's just shifted my perspective on how I think about video content or LinkedIn or get them to say, man, no one's ever taught me that before. No one's ever explained it that way to me before. I've never heard it that way. I'm going to go try that, right? That's all I think about. And once you get past that from a high level standpoint, like your mindset around it, then it's the technical stuff. Then it's like maybe they got a good message and they are thinking about their audience. But then it's like they started off the video introducing themselves in the first three or four seconds. Or they cut a clip from a podcast in the first couple seconds. Or like, yeah. And anyways, and you know, last week we were talking about a couple other things, and it's like <laughs> people are gone. Right, like they don't have that attention nope. span. Mm-hmm. They're rolling to the next video that's going to capture their attention. So you know, it's structuring the message. It's the hook. It's knowing how to tie a video together in a short period of time, but still get a lot out of it. More of the fundamentals type thing. Once you get past the strategy and the high level mindset.
0: And what do your clients need to hear? That is so number one, because so many, I mean, I always make a joke that it's like never, hey, here's my oodles of free information that, you know, costs thousands of dollars to get somewhere else. It's like, hey, if this is happening with your job or being funny, I mean, life's so serious. But I love that you said that because (laughs) so many people think it is, oh, well, about me and my company, I'm like, I don't care what you sell. I want to like you. Yeah. And it's your own, I mean... I always say consumer behavior, like why do you scroll past someone or why do you follow someone? It's the same concept there. So roles reverse.
1: What's really interesting, Angela, is when you're consuming content, you look at it from a consumer mindset and all of the things that we talk about make sense, which is like you want to see something grab your attention. You want a good message. You want something that is meaningful to you that maybe is edutaining or entertaining or educating you don't want to hear about products and services. You don't have to go three clicks away, <laughs> download in, enter no. information and download all these. You don't want to do all of that as a consumer. But then as a producer of content, as a content creator, all of a sudden people think that, that, that just it just works the complete opposite way. Like, oh, now all of a sudden they want to do all that stuff, even though you as a consumer don't want to do that stuff. So it's like, I go back to like, just imagine what you would want. What would you want if you're watching an awesome show? Do you want to see a commercial every 30 seconds? Hell no, you don't, right? You want that show to start really like interesting and you want it to get better and better and you want to see another episode and you want the same thing and you want very minimal promotional stuff. If it's in there, they sneak it in there. You don't even know it's in there. So it's interesting how we look at it from a consumer standpoint as one way. And then when we go to start creating content, it's like we throw all that out the window for some reason. It's funny. Why do we do that? I don't know why. It's just because when we do something, we oftentimes think of like, what are we going to get out of it? That's true. It's hard for people to imagine you just giving a ton of stuff all the time. And then you kind of got to wait for it to come back to you. Right. And most people are like, if I give something, what am I going to get?
0: Instant gratification.
1: Yep. It's not an exchange, though. It's not a transaction. You're building a relationship with your audience. So what is the promise that you want to make to your audience? What is the impact that you want to make on your audience? That's how you should be thinking about it versus what is the transaction that we can get from this, you know, one video that we create? Can we get three links to this and a download to the ebook and and, you know, a lead gen that some salesperson is going to bombard them with calls now that they never even wanted in the first place? It's just like it's backwards. Yes, it's backwards.
0: I like the voice you do. I like that voice of those sales.
1: Does does he have a name? Different characters. (laughs) No. You got that. And then you got the LinkedIn guy. The LinkedIn guy's a well, let's talk about our content strategy team. The guy is super buttoned up and he's just like, hey, team. And he's just really out of touch with like modern day business and marketing. Oh my god! There's a lot of fun characters you can do. I mean, that's why I think edutainment is so cool because one, it works really well and it converts really well if you do it, uh, which is just combining education with entertainment, if anyone's listening and doesn't know what edutainment is, but it's just fun to create. It's like, you got to have fun. I always say, it's like, you're not having fun in your content. Like I guarantee the people that are consuming your content are probably not having fun either. And you know, there's a time to be serious and deliver a great educational message, but there's no reason that your personality can't creep in there too. There's no reason that when you're filming that video, you can't mix in a smile or a laugh. God oh, forbid. Oh, scandalous, know? Alex. You oh can't, can't do that. No. You know, And, and people are like, oh, it's not professional. You know, it's, What if it's not professional? Oh, it's not professional to laugh. No. It's not professional to smile. I love when people are like, I'm in an industry, Alex, where humor doesn't work in content. And I'm like, really? What industry are you in? Because unless you're like, there's some aliens on a planet that I'm not aware of, all humans appreciate humor and smiling and emotion in their content. It doesn't matter. It's across the board. Now, what I'm not saying is you just act the fool and like dress <laughs> up as, as a clown and just be like, I'm here. You know, like you don't just like do random stupid stuff. Right. It's like one of the best sayings I ever heard. And I think it's an Albert Einstein quote where he said, Humor is intelligence having fun. Ooh. And I love that because it's like, that's what good humor is to me. And the same way, if you're listening to a stand up comedian, if she, he or she gets on stage, they start talking about stuff and they're making you laugh. Man, they found a way to like really intelligently craft the message or bring something to your attention that happens to all of us every day. But the way they told it was so funny and spot on. And to me, it's like, you got to be smart to be able to do that.
0: Oh, it's such an art. I am a huge stand-up comedian yeah. fan. Like that's my, I think I've watched every me special too. on Netflix or pretty close to it. So love that you made that reference. If you go on a soapbox about this, I'm fine with it. Cause I'm very passionate on this <laughs> topic, but why is LinkedIn no longer the stuffy business platform? That's like you said, people say, oh, can't have humor. It's not my demographic. It's not this. What have been your experiences on LinkedIn?
1: LinkedIn has changed. It has gone from in 2018, even 2019, it was like, If I told people I was getting on LinkedIn in 2018, 2019, they were like, are you looking (laughs) for a job? Same thing.
0: Yes, that was the year I started. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It
1: was like, there was no other reason to get on the platform. And today, that's still a good reason to get on the platform. You might be looking for a job, right? It's a great place to do that. But there's so many other reasons. So what happened is like LinkedIn got bought out by Microsoft years back. And I think they realized that they were sitting on a gold mine. Like literally the largest business community in the world at their fingertips, and they got all this data and analytics and stuff, and so like slowly, they started rolling out content and like I think it was two thousand and eighteen that you could start doing video, right, so they rolled out video, and they've explored with a ton of different things now with polls and carousels and pictures and all types of different stuff. But now it's become a place where like it is the largest business community in the world, and people are going there not just to find a job, not just to post a resume. But to get educated, to get edutained, to win clients, to find their ideal prospects or talent, you know, and to just consume good content, good quality content. As you're scrolling the feed, you really can learn a lot on this platform. There's a lot of talented people, both people in careers um, in leadership positions, employee uh, individual contributor levels. There's entrepreneurs. I mean, there's new people starting off. There's people who've been doing it for 30, 40 years. So like the wealth of knowledge on the platform is just amazing. And like, there's no kids here, right? So it's like, it's not like, you know, it's not Facebook, it's not TikTok. Like the demographic is typically a business person. It's a professional. Now what professional means now, or what it meant 10 years ago has changed, I think. But at the end of the day, yeah, it's a great platform to be on. There's 900 million people on the platform. I think there's something like 50 plus million companies and four out of five people on LinkedIn can influence a buying decision. So there's a lot of like buying power, on LinkedIn. And there's just a ton of opportunities. So if you're not on there, I mean, if you're looking for a job, you're trying to find talent, you're trying to find customers or attract you know, your ideal customers, and you're in B2B or you're in a place where those businesses are potentially on LinkedIn, it's a no-brainer. It's probably the number one platform for most companies to be on, hands down.
0: Now, something I get kind of pushed back on is, oh, well, you're in a creative industry. Is LinkedIn really for everyone? Or is it for certain, I mean, me, obvious, professional services, like you said, you go to LinkedIn, you find a job. Yes, I know I'm biased with what I do. But do you feel, Alex, that all companies and professionals should be on LinkedIn and why?
1: Well, I would always say that the social media platform or content channel that you're going to be on should be determined by where your customers are and where they're consuming content or where the talent that you're trying to attract is or whatever you're trying to accomplish, right? You should look at like, hey, where are my people? And if you find out that like everyone's on TikTok and Instagram reels and Facebook reels, and very few people are active on LinkedIn, then don't start with LinkedIn, right? Like, yeah, don't go there, right? Like, I'm not going to go to Facebook right now because I feel like it's not the best use of my time. I'm going to stick with LinkedIn and TikTok and YouTube and build out the podcasts and all the other content channels. So I think, yeah, it may not be right for you. I mean, one way you can tell is, if you have Sales Navigator or even do a LinkedIn search, you can search by job titles and industries and geographics and stuff. So you can literally see who's out there and how active they are. And so like, I think, yeah, LinkedIn is not the best channel for everyone. But I think if you're in B2B, and probably for most professionals, it's a pretty dang good one.
0: Well, and even I mean, when you were ready to take it full time, and I don't know if you can kind of vibe with me on this. But it was 2017, 2018, I think was when I decided like, okay, let's try this LinkedIn thing that I've had since college, you know, 10 years ago I made you yeah. make and I forgot the password. Yeah. But when I got fired, it was just like a launching point where I could announce that I'm doing this because I had the connections and a place for people to live. I mean, I haven't physically met you in person and all these I mean We've worked with so many great professionals that I, I've i literally never met before, which is crazy. And had it not been for LinkedIn, is that kind of your experience with it of when you started really putting your content out there? What was kind of your journey with LinkedIn and more so specifically when you were really building up your content side of it too?
1: Well... I was building my side hustle out, which was going to be the sales consultancy thing. But then it turned into, actually, I'm going to do social selling and LinkedIn con- you know, training and stuff like that. Because I started to figure out the platform and I was like, well, I can help people like optimize their profile and you know, help them come up with a quick content strategy. And obviously that evolved way more the last four years. But I was winning clients on there as I was working my full time job. So to me, it was like it was kind of I was doing both at the same time. And then I got to a point where like I won my first customer in that business, February, 2020. And then I was in a position in July, 2020, where I could put in my two weeks notice and actually replaced my income from my full-time job. So I was already kind of seeing how it worked and I was already leveraging my network. But I remember when I first quit my full-time job in July, 2020, I did put out a video and it did really well for me back then. And I said, I just quit my full-time job and I'm diving all into entrepreneurship and I won a couple customers from that post, right? Just people seeing, like, hey, I just, congratulations. I, hey, we're actually looking to do some video on LinkedIn. We don't really know where to start, you know, could you hop on a quick call? And so like, I think, yeah, it's, it's building the network. I mean, I would say you, you build your personal brand. You take that with you wherever you go forever. Like you'll always have your personal brand. It's the highest leverage thing that you can possibly build. Whether you're going to go to another company or change careers, start a business, leave that business. It doesn't matter. Like you always have the personal brand. So to me, it's like it doesn't make a lot of sense for you not to be building that to some capacity if you're serious and going to be you know, having a career the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years.
0: Right. And the opportunities, I mean, are just I know I've said this on so many of these podcast episodes, but really these opportunities or Alex is a great example of where it can go of closing clients when you're not saying, hey, here's five tips for video, which are still great videos. But Anytime I'm very um, big proponent of mental health, or I really am open about things, or I always do my post of, Hey, I got fired. This is what happened. And I remember being terrified to tell people I was doing that, but that's what jump started the business. And it's those things where, you know, social media gets a bad rap of like, Oh, it's bad for your mental health and all, which it can be, but if you're following awesome people, you're getting a laugh, like you are freaking hilarious. I mean, (laughs) it's just those people. I mean, you don't like everyone. Not everyone's going to like you, but you're going to find your clients. You're going to find, I guess we'll say, find your tribe, but all those people that will refer you business or get you to where you need to be. And especially for the large scale clients you're working with. I mean, that's huge. And LinkedIn is a big option for that. And this is a great example where you have been on my list to reach out to. And then I was like, oh, I really want someone video wise. And you are always in my newsfeed, even when I have, <laughs> I mean, I'm not nearly as close as you, but I think we have 14 or 15,000 connections and always, but top of mind, anyone for video. Okay. Alex. Okay. Resumes or whatever. Angela, you know, whatever that looks like. But you're never going to be ready. I mean, I'll get off the soapbox about this, but I don't think anyone had a pandemic on their bingo card and everything. So. I think it's honing into what you're good at, whether you're a school person or you're not, or what your learning style, your lifestyle is. So I really like that.
1: So, you know, you're not going to be ready is like so true, right? It's like so many people are like, there's a few excuses, but really underneath that all is like, they're scared to take the jump. And I think if there's anything, and I don't know if we're closing, but this would be a good closing message is like, if I think about where I've gotten to the last four years, and I feel like in a lot of ways, I'm just getting started. I've got a long ways to go and a lot to learn and so i'm humble in that regards i never think i have everything figured out not even close right i'm learning every single day but if i think about where i got to in the last four years one of the biggest things that i can attribute to getting here was i put my mind to something as simple as this is i put my mind to something and i made a commitment to get better at that thing every single day and i just told myself don't give up you either make this work or you die (laughs) that is your, that is your mentality, right? Like it is plan A, there is no plan B and I'm not saying you need to be reckless. I had, you know, two daughters when I left my full-time job, I had to get benefits. I had to think financially, like I had to be smart, right? But make the commitment to yourself. The moment you start becoming halfway in and halfway out, well, I kind of got this thing I don't really know if it's going to work out or not. You know, it's like, no, stop that shit. You know, say, no, I got this thing and I'm going to turn into a full-time thing. I don't know if that's going to happen in six months or 12 months or a year and a half, but I'm going to do this. It is not an option. Because I'm smart enough, I'm talented enough, and I'll do whatever it takes to make it happen ethically. And I think that's really it. And I look at a lot of people that you know started around the same time I did 4 years ago or even that came in 3 years ago or 2 years ago. And almost all of the people, almost all of them have fizzled out. They quit. They didn't see results fast enough. It was took longer than they thought. Um they didn't evolve, they didn't get better. They had something that worked really well for the first couple of years and then just did the same thing the next two years and like it got old and stale and they didn't evolve like a blockbuster or a kodak or a sears like you got to continue to evolve and get better and i just think that's it i just can made the commitment i made the commitment to getting better every single day being obsessive about it and evolving and always learning and not being afraid to make mistakes and fail and that's why i'm here now and that's why i think like my next four years like again i'm just getting started same mindset starting from zero basically You know, you never can think that you got it figured out.
0: Well, and continuously learning and knowing what you're good at or talking to other people or just engaging. And yeah, I don't have it all figured out either. But and there's plenty of days where I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so stressful. And a corporate job might be easier. But I mean, nothing's ever easy. And the grass is not always greener.
1: It's green where you water it.
0: Yes, exactly. It is. That's
1: it, right? Yes. And you're going to have an Imposter syndrome is a real thing. Oh, I even still have that four years into doing what I'm doing. You'd think, like, dude's been doing it four years obsessively. This guy, like, super, like, (laughs) everything's good, never had doubts himself. Hell no. Like, I still, because the moment that you don't have imposter syndrome or you don't feel like you're out of your comfort zone is the moment you stop growing. So, I mean, if you're pushing yourself and you're taking on bigger and bigger clients or you're doing more and more work or you're, you know, You're just pushing yourself to learn new things. You're going to feel that uncomfortability. You're going to feel that, man, I took on this client like, I don't know if I'm 100% ready for this. Good, good. I'm glad you're not because that means you're going to get ready and you're going to push yourself and you're going to learn something from this. You're going to get even better. So if you feel that imposter syndrome or that doubt creep in, I always say there's a difference between doubting myself and doubting where I'm at or what I'm doing. I never doubt myself in terms of like, I will find a way to figure this out because I know in my heart, like I will do what it takes and I have good intentions and I'm a positive person and I will learn, like I really want to make an impact. I'm confident in that, but you better believe I doubt all kinds of like, oh my gosh, I took on this new client. How am I going to figure this out? Or is this the right approach? Is this the right strategy for them? Like all the time, literally today, like, you know, so it's like, you got to get past that and say, part of this journey is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's just the way that it is.
0: It is. But you still can look back. because. So we started around the same time because it was actually four year anniversary two days ago that I got fired. So we're along the same timeline, but it's reflecting of how far you've come or what, I don't know, maybe I'm being cheesy with this, but how far you've come and what you've achieved. And I love that. I literally said that in my LinkedIn post and I'm just getting started. So we're vibing well here, Alex, but that's it. How far you've come five years ago when you were in your corporate, when we were both in our corporate jobs or Figuring it out. I mean, I remember doing my first LinkedIn one-on-one and I was like, do I know enough about this to be teaching someone like a whole other platform? And now I can do it without LinkedIn in front of me because I know it so well. So it's appreciating the growth. It's understanding where you've been, where you're going and all the people that support you. And LinkedIn is such a great community. And um, it's been super fun watching you blow up and quit your full-time job and just lack a better term, just kicking ass and continuing to do so.
1: (laughs) I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, You got to look back and you got to appreciate, to your point, how far you've come and the person that you've become and how you've transformed and the things that you've accomplished. Because it's real hard sometimes because you're like constantly, when you are constantly pushing yourself, you're always like, all right, I got to keep going, I got to keep going. But sometimes you got to look back and go, man, everything that I wanted to have happen, like my dreams and the things I was set out to accomplish, I fucking did it. Like, hell yeah. Like, let me pat myself (laughs) on the damn back, you know? And then you have that, you appreciate those moments. And then, you know, at the same time, you go... Now let's go get the next chapter. Now let's go do the next thing, you know? So it's like a nice little balance of like appreciative and having gratitude. And I wake up every morning with like a gratitude kind of ritual that I do. And, but I also think about what am I excited for that's to come. And I think that's the balance. Like it's appreciating what you have and realizing what's most important with life in life but then also knowing like, man, there's some stuff out here to learn. There's some opportunities out here. Let's get it.
0: Let's get it. I love that. Now, That's a, you've given so much great advice over the, I mean, especially over the last 10 minutes. But as we wrap this up, Alex, what are your parting words of wisdom for our listeners here?
1: Everything that you want in your life is on the other side of your comfort zone. If you're just willing, if you're just willing to fight a little bit, if you're just willing to just push through, When it gets tough, when it feels uncomfortable, when you start feeling the doubt, if you're just willing to keep going, just just don't quit. Just don't quit. Continue to get better and keep going. And I promise some things are going to happen for you that you don't even expect. And the breakthroughs are going to come, but they're not going to come unless you're putting in the effort and continuing to push yourself and putting in the work.
0: If y'all don't listen to this and go start a business and do your thing, I don't know what else to tell you. Alex, this has been so freaking awesome. I want to go run a marathon and I don't run marathons, but you're incredible. (laughs) I'm so excited. But if you want to follow Alex, you want to work with Alex, head to the show notes and message him on LinkedIn, reach out. And thank you again for listening to another episode of That's Business.